0: Welcome to this special midweek edition of the Southcrest Live podcast featuring the teaching of Dr. David Wilson. If this is your first time to listen, be sure to connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. And thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this message from our Wednesday night series. Anyway, I, I, I told somebody earlier, I, I just want to keep having them. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about them. I just want to keep having them. Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Kim, for singing our beautiful song. I, I don't know what y'all did. We, when we left here on Sunday, it was not near this cold. I don't know what you did here when we got back. If you have any friends or relatives in Amarillo, you might want to tell them to put the, the strand of barbed wire back up to keep the wind from blowing. Verse 1 says, and you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others but god who is rich in mercy and because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us lie alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in christ jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk, in them. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, as we look at your word, we are so grateful for what you have made us to be. We didn't save ourselves, you saved us. And you've taken our life that was once dead, and you've given us life. And we pray that tonight you'd help us to understand just who we are in you and what you have done for us in Jesus name we pray amen angel would you turn this down just a hair just a little bit i've told you earlier that the first 3 chapters of ephesians deal with doctrine the last 3 chapters are more practical in nature but if you don't get the doctrine right The practical part's not going to be right and when you say the word doctrine it kind of turns some people off but folks if if you don't believe correctly if you don't interpret the word of God correctly it messes everything else up after a lingering illness the family cat died and the owner a little girl who was heartbroken came to her father and through her tears said daddy dad old Tom is dead Her dad said, don't worry, sweetheart. Old Tom's gone to heaven to be with God. The little girl stopped crying, and she looked kind of puzzled. In a few moments, she said, Daddy, what does God want with a dead cat? (laughs) A better question might be, what does God want with fallen, dead humanity? Because that's what he did. He came to those. He came to us who were dead in our trespasses and sin, and he has made us alive in him. And so for a few moments, I want to talk to you about going from a mess to a masterpiece. Because that's exactly what Jesus has done for you and me. He's taken our lives that were a mess and made a masterpiece out of us. And I want to begin by calling your attention in the first three verses to the hopeless plight of the sinner i want to tell you without jesus christ you have no hope life without christ is an endless hope life with christ life with christ is an endless hope without him it's a hopeless end that's what i'm trying to say but but this hopeless plight what what causes the sinner let's talk about the cause first It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. There's two words for death in the New Testament. One of them is nekros, which means physical death. The spirit separates from the body. The other word for death is thanatos, which means spiritual death, when you were separated from God. Both of them deal with separation but, but one is physical. Thanatos talks about the separation of a person from God. So if you think about it, we are all born dead. Separated from God is what I mean. We're born with a sinful nature. We're born into a realm of trespasses and sins. In fact, trespasses and sins speaks in the locative case as a sphere. You're born into a sinful world. You are born with a sinful nature. Now, I believe that children are protected until they reach an age where they understand salvation. It's not, so I don't want you worrying about babies that have died. I believe, I, I believe this the scripture can bear it out that they're with the Lord. But there comes a time when we understand that we're separated from God, and then the choice is made, and the, the decision comes whether to follow Christ and repent of our sins. But we, are, we should know, John three thirty six says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Earlier in the John 3, Jesus said, I, I didn't come to condemn the world. The world's already condemned, but that through him, we might have life. And so I want you to understand That the cause of the the hopelessness that we have is that we're dead and we're separated from God in the sphere of our trespasses and sin. No one wants to die, but we're going to die physically. We're like the little girl, eight years old, who wrote a letter to God as part part of a special project of Sunday school. She said, Dear God, what is it like to die? Signed, Sue. P.S. I just want to know. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Well, we'd like to know about it. We don't want to do it, but we're all going to do that one day. We're all going to die physically uh, unless the Lord returns. But but death of a person physically does not mean, well, if you have Christ, you're not ever going to die. You're not ever going to be separated from God in thanatos type, but you die with Christ, you go to be with him there are going to be people who are going to die separated from God, and they're going to die and spend eternity away from God, and they don't really comprehend eternity. We can't comprehend eternity. The word trespass, as I told you last Sunday, means to slip and fall and stumble and deviate, to go in the wrong direction. And the word sin there is the one harmatia, which means to miss the mark. The arrow doesn't quite get there. Falling short of the goal. Falling short of the standard. And in the spiritual realm, it refers to missing and falling short of God's standard of holiness. Harmatia is used 140 to 160, 70 times. it's, It's the most common word. We've missed what God intended for us. Sin separates you from God. Sin leaves its marks on you. Do you know that? When Leonardo da Vinci was painting his masterpiece, The Lord's Supper, The Last Supper, I should say, you've seen pictures of it if you've not seen the original one. You know where all the guys are on the same side of the table? That one. When he was painting that masterpiece, he looked for specific people to portray the characters. The hardest one to find was Jesus. And after looking for a long time, he found a chorister in one of the churches in Rome who had a lovely life and had good features, a young man by the name of Pietro bandinelli And so... He painted Pietro Bandanelli's face. Well, years later, years later, the painting was still not finished. And he had every disciple painted except for one, Judas. And he could not find somebody to portray Judas Iscariot. So he went out on the streets and he began to look for people And he finally found a a man whose face was hardened and distorted by sin. He found it was a begging on the streets of Rome and and a face so villainous that he shuddered when he looked at him. And he asked him, would you come and sit for a painting? And he did. And he sat for the painting of the face of Judas Iscariot. And when he was about to dismiss the man, he said, you know, I haven't found out your name and he said, I am Pietro Bandanelli. I also sat for your model of Christ. But over the years, because of the sin that he'd been involved in, and actually then, uh, it had changed him so much. Well, folks, I want you to know that all people are apart from God, born apart from God does not mean that everyone is equally corrupt and wicked but it's still, you're separated from God. We sort of put levels of sin, you know, murder would be up here at the top and, and you know, other sin gossip, they would be way over here. You can almost get by with that one, we think. But I want to ask you something. 20 corpses on a battlefield might be in different stages of decay, but they're all dead. Not all men are as evil as they could be, but all fail to measure up to God's perfect standard. And as a state of being, a sphere of existence, sin has more to do with what is not done than what is done. God's standard for men is to be perfect just as he himself is perfect. If we were standing on the bank of the Grand Canyon and we all decided we're going to jump across... Now, I can tell some of you, including me, would not go out there very far. Some of you are young, and you may jump out there 30 feet, but you're not going to make it across. So, who's more dead at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, the one who went 5 feet or 30 feet? All of us. Well, that's the way sin is. We may think some people are more sinful than others, but in God's sight, as holiness, we're all sinful. The degrees of success in trying to jump across the Grand Canyon would be in relation to each other, and people try to relate to other people to make themselves look better. You can always find someone who looks a little more sinful than you do, but when you stand next to God, None of us come close. So you see the cause. We're dead. We're hopeless. Notice the condition in verse 3. In the state of spiritual death, the only walking or living a person can do, according to verse 3, is that we conducted ourselves... According to the course of this world and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Verse 2 also talks about that. He, the spirit who works of disobedience, it works in us. We walk according to the course of this world. The word world there means cosmos. It, it's the system. It's not the, the 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 ball that we live on, the globe. It's, it's, it's not the planet. It's the system, the world system. We walk according to... The prince of this age, the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, lost people are enslaved. Some of you may not know Jesus tonight. And when I say you're following Satan and his demonic forces, you may think that's ridiculous. You, in fact... Whether you believe in the devil or not, the Bible says if you're not a Christian, you're a slave to Satan. You're a slave to sin. And you may say, well, I'm more free than you. At least I don't have to dress up and go to church like you do. I can do whatever I want to do. But yet you're not free. Let me describe a person who's not a Christian. They're free, but they're only free to do what they want, not to do what they ought problem is they want the wrong thing you can take an alcoholic as sad as it is and you put a bottle in front of him and a bible in front of him he's going to choose what which one he's going to choose the bottle every time well people think they're free but they're only free to do what they want not to do what God wants them to do. There are a lot of people out there who think they're really free and they don't even believe in the devil. What they don't realize is they're a slave to Satan. The Bible says they continue to live that way. They're in darkness. They can't see. They can't see spiritually. They're in darkness. The God of this age Satan has blinded the minds of them lest the light of the gospel should shine unto them, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 states. It's like an old story I heard about in the Wild West about an old mining prospector who came down out of the mountains into the old western town. He had his old, dirty, smelly pack mule loaded down and he walked up and hitched his mule to the hitching post as he walked by the saloon, some cowboys saw him outside. Decided they were going to have some fun with him. They said, "Come on, we're going to have some fun with this old boy." He walked out there and he said to that prospector. One of those cowboys said, "said Oh man, you ever danced in the street?" The prospector said, "Nope." The cowboy says, well, now you're going to and started shooting at his feet. And of course he's trying to dodge bullets with his feet and everybody's laughing until the cowboy runs out of bullets and he reaches to reload. And when he does, while he's reloading his pistol, the prospector pulls out a double barrel shotgun, sticks it right up his nose. And he said, cowboy, have you ever wanted to kiss a mule have you ever kissed the mule? And he said, no, but I sure would like to. <laughs> he didn't, he had the choice whether to kiss that mule or not. You might say he was under strong compulsion. A lost person is free to do what their nature tells them to do. But it's the wrong thing because they're dead in their trespasses and sin you wonder why the stuff that's going on in the world is going on? A lost person is free, the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. In verse 2, the power of the air probably refers to Satan's host of demons who exist in the heavenly sphere. Paul had this in mind in Ephesians 6:12 when he said spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. During this present age, his demonic hosts dominate and pressure and control lost people. There's three elements that characterize a lost world, at least three. One of them is humanism. One of them is materialism. The other one is sexual perversion. Humanism basically says man is the measure of all things. He's his own boss. He'll make up his own rules. We see that going on all the time. It doesn't matter what God's Word says. It matters what we feel like is okay and what we vote is okay. Materialism places a high value in physical things, especially money, because we think money solves all problems. And, of course, sexual perversion, I don't even have to mention that today because we have every kind you can imagine. But we've rationalized it by naming it something different. We don't call abortion murder. We call it a woman exercising her right of privacy to her own body. Homosexuality is merely a difference in sexual preference. Pornography is an expression of free speech. Adultery is just simply living together. We don't call it what the Bible calls it. We we make it look better. But Paul's purpose here is to show how Christians formally walked. He said in verse 3, you used to walk in the lust of the flesh. The, the inclinations, the desires of every sort, not just sexual lust, but every, every desire that you had. You should just go with your desire. In fact, the world basically says if it feels good, just go do it, whatever it is. If you feel like it's okay. Desires emphasizes a a strong will and a wanting to seek something. Flesh refers to the dissipation of life that comes when we abandon whatever feels good. And the mind indicates the deliberate choices. In other words, did you have to be taught to sin? Who taught you that? How did you learn to do it? (laughs) It just came naturally, didn't it? You know, the Bible tells us we're born with a sin nature. You need to understand, why am I harping on this? Because there are a lot of people who think they don't ever do anything wrong. And until you realize how separated you are from God, you don't have any need for a Savior. You can't be saved unless you're lost. Years ago, there was a television commercial that illustrated this. It was sponsored by the Ad Council, and it said this, don't leave your keys in your car. Then it said, don't help a good boy go wrong. Oh, so if I leave my keys in the car, it's my fault if he steals it. Now, what's wrong with that picture? Why do we have keys in the first place? Because we live in a sinful world. Why do you have locks on your house? Because of the depravity of mankind, the sinful nature with which we're all born. We we live in a world that says man's basically good. If you give him the right education and give him the right environment and give him the right resources, he's basically good. Really? Well, just watch the news and you'll be able to tell that some time times that people have everything there has to offer, and they still do horrendous things. And you're going, "Why did they do that? Why does a an athlete that makes millions of dollars get hooked on drugs and alcohol and abuse women or whatever?" Well, have you got that in down? Sinners don't have any hope, do they, on their own. You're not going to save yourself. You're not ever going to. And Paul is saying this. You need to realize where you once were. But then two of the greatest words in the Bible are in verse 4. But God. (laughs) Anytime you come across but God. So I want you to notice the heavenly plan through the Savior. Some people are like the first grader who was in Sunday school class, was quizzed by the pastor on the meaning of certain religious words like being baptized and repentance. And then he said, what is conversion? Little boy thought for many, he said, it's the extra point after a touchdown. (laughs) Paul mentions what conversion is here. First of all, you see God's mercy, but God who is rich in mercy. Mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead. In trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Mercy. What is mercy? Holding back what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve, mercy is holding back what we do deserve. We deserve death and hell and separation. And God is rich in mercy. He's overbounding. He's without measure. It's unlimited. The problem with reconciliation is not on God's side. When, when man's not right with God, it's not God's fault because he's rich in it. Amen? It's people who will not respond to him. and love his love for us did I ever tell you I hadn't told you this story about when my dad was dating my mom they're right over here Jerry and Nadell. I'm going to tell a story on them and they're looking at me like you're going to get it later (laughs) now my dad was kind of shy so On one of the visits to my mom, he brought some roses, had them behind his back and knocked on the door and mom came to the door and he stuck those roses out there and she was so touched and so moved. She grabbed him, began to kiss him. In a moment, he dropped those roses and started to run away. And she said, wait, don't leave. Don't leave. I didn't mean to scare you. He said, You didn't scare me. I'm just going after some more roses. (laughs) That didn't really happen. Okay, I made it up. Just so you'll know. God's love's perfect. And God loved you and me when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And I want you to notice when he says... He has made us alive in verse 5. Aorist tense. Aorist, there's, there's different tenses in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know enough about, know that a lot of doctrine we have based on the tenses of the verbs. Present tense is continuous action. Aorist tense happens at a point in time. Perfect tense means it happens at a point in time and the effects are still going. Eris tense means at a point in time, boom, he made us alive. It's not an osmosis thing. You don't get it over a period of time. You may learn about it, but there comes a time when you repent of your sin and you place your faith in Jesus Christ and boom, he makes you alive right then. Spiritually, puts his spirit in you. Reverses the process of what happened in the garden. God said you eat of this tree and you're going to die. I always expected them to take a bite of it and drop dead. I kept thinking well, why didn't they die? They did die in their spirit. Man is a body, soul and spirit. We can communicate. We have capacity to have a relationship with God because God is spirit. Our spirit died. And then our mind, emotions and will died progressively. And we eventually die in our body. But when God saves you, you immediately have His spirit in you, makes you alive right then. And then progressively, your mind, emotions and a will begin to be conformed to His image, and one day we're going to have a new body to go with it. He made us alive. It's illustrated in the life of Jesus. Think about it. The New Testament records three people that Jesus resurrected. Y'all remember them? Jairus' daughter, 12-year-old daughter. She'd only been dead a couple of hours. And when Jesus got there, he said, little daughter, get up. And she was alive again. And then there was the widow of Nain's son. He had been dead almost a day because it was his funeral that Jesus comes up to and disrupts it and gives him life. So about 24 hours. And then you have, the, who's the other one? You ought to know this one. Lazarus. How long had been he been dead? Four days. And his, his sister said, don't open that tomb. He's, he's going to smell bad. He'd been dead four days. They didn't have the embalming process like we have. And of course, Jesus said, well... You just watch this. That's not what he said, but basically it's what happened. And they, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, I want to ask you something. Of those three people, one been dead two hours, one 24 hours, one four days. Which one was more of a miracle? They're all alive again, aren't they? Is one of them, did one of them take more grace than the other? No. You see, they were all made alive. All of us in here have come from different backgrounds. Some of us were raised in church. Some of you may not have come to Christ till later time in life. Some of you have not been through the gutters of life and you've come to Christ. But I want to tell you, all of us are alive the same way in Jesus Christ. And then you've got God's grace mentioned in verse 6 and following. Actually, by by grace you have been saved. Verse 6 says, and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Aorist tense. Means that we've been put in God's domain. You've been rescued out of Satan's world. You've been put in God's domain. You're here now. You're in God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is growing because now we're taken out of this kingdom into his kingdom. In order that, in order that shows the purpose of salvation is to bring God glory. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness and then, of course, you know Ephesians 8 and 9, it says, for by grace you have been saved. You have been put in the kingdom of God. People make jokes about how they're going to stand at the gates of heaven and talk to him and you know, they just assume that Peter's the gatekeeper i'm am assuming why i'm assuming they think that because when peter made his confession at Caesarea Philippi that you are the Christ the son of the living god i'm giving you the keys to the kingdom that i guess they're thinking well st peter's got the keys to heaven but he doesn't the key to heaven is jesus christ is the only way to be saved that's the statement of faith but if you a lot of people make jokes about how they're going to get into heaven. Like the little boy who, who basically his mom said, he, he was always getting into mischief. And she said, how do you expect to get into heaven? And he thought for minute. he said, well, I'm just going to run in and out, in and out, in and out, keep slamming the door until they say, for goodness sake, come in or stay out. No, the only way you're going to get there is through Jesus Christ. And you know what? The moment that you accept Christ, he makes you alive, puts you in his kingdom. So you don't even have to worry about getting to the gate. You're going to be in the presence of Jesus when you die, when you know the Lord. We have been saved through, by grace you have been saved. Now get this, it's a perfect passive participle. Perfect point in time, the effects are still going. Passive means that you receive the action. You didn't do it. So you have been saved, made alive at a point in time, I'm still saved. And I did not save myself because God gave it to me. Passive, I received it. I didn't earn it. I didn't buy it. I didn't inherit it. I didn't come to another church services where I got it by osmosis, which means it soaks in if you don't know what osmosis means. No, he gave it to us and some people just can't get that they think it's too easy years ago Duncan Hines you all know who Duncan Hines the 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 cake mix people did you know that they came up with a product it was a cake mix formulated that only required adding a cup of water to it and you could bake a cake came out a perfect cake But nobody would buy it. It wouldn't sell. And when they did some marketing research, they discovered that consumers did not want to buy it because they thought that a cake, that all you had to do was add water, would not be any good. So Duncan Hines took it off the market, reformulated it, so all you had to do now was to add a half a cup of milk and an egg. Then everybody started buying it. A lot of people can't believe salvation is so simple that you return, you repent of your sins, you turn from your sin, and God will save you through Jesus Christ by your faith and trust in Him. They think that's just too simple. I've got to do something, I've got to earn it, I've got to work for it. But if you could earn it and you could work for it, it wouldn't be grace. Because grace is given to you. Sinners without Jesus have no hope. We see heaven's plan through Jesus Christ that we have been saved. Now what? There's a hallowed purpose, a holy purpose for the saints, of the saints. Look at verse Ten, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Two things I want you to see. First of all, God's work in us, his workmanship. The word is poema. We get our word poem. We are God's poem. We are his workmanship. Literally, it means we are his masterpiece. God has taken us from a mess to a masterpiece. We're his workmanship. We are literally trophies of his grace. When we get to heaven, we're going to glorify Jesus because the only reason we are there is because of him. And and even now, people look at us and they can't believe the change. You may not know who Kanye West is, the husband of Kim Kardashian. Have y'all been reading the, all the hype about this? He has followed Jesus, and nobody can believe it. I mean, this is almost like Saul being saved. You know, and the Christians just wouldn't believe it. And and you know who's been most critical? Christians. I'm thinking of all the people because they can't believe it. This is a trick. And trust me, this guy has done all kinds of stuff. I mean, he's just been out there. He's been interviewed the other night, and, and they asked him, "What do you do at night?" He said, "Well, I go home and we spend time with our kids." My wife goes to bed, and he said, what do you do? He said, I read my Bible. And the guy said, come on, really? He said, no, I really do. I read my Bible. They can't believe that he's become a believer. And I pray that he has, and I pray that there won't be so much pressure on him that he cracks under the pressure. But see, when somebody like that comes to Christ, people notice what on earth has happened. I don't, I don't know. Only time's going to tell. But I want to tell you, do you think Jesus can save somebody like Kanye West? Yeah. Yeah. If he can save you, he can save him. If he saved me, he can save him. God's work in us. I want to tell you, it takes, it's just as miraculous when a child comes to Christ a 9 year old 8 7 or 8 9 when they're old enough to understand as it does for somebody who's 90 years old it's still a miracle it's all by God's grace but then notice God's work through us we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now when it comes to the subject of salvation and good works there's two extremes. One of them teaches that salvation you know God sort of puts you on track but you've got to add all your good works to to finish the salvation. And that's That's kind of simply put but that's what they're saying that that, there's, that you've got this merit balance. you know, And those of you who come on Wednesday nights, I mean, you get extra credit for Wednesday night. But if you don't do this, if you don't take communion every week, if you don't do this and if you don't do that, you don't do this and you don't do that, you don't do this and don't do that, then when you die, you don't know. But, but the scripture says you can know that you're saved. Jesus didn't partially cover it all. He paid it all. And the only way to be saved is through him. But when you are saved, so the one extreme is, you know, uh, maybe you put it this way. Jesus saved you, but you got to keep yourself saved by good works. The other extreme, and you see this a lot today, you're saved by grace, but because you're saved by grace, it doesn't matter what you do all you got to do is pray a prayer (laughs) and you're saved and you may live like the devil the rest you might even become an atheist later but because you prayed a prayer when you were younger you are saved now folks I don't know the hearts of people only God does but I know there's another another parts of scripture that basically state that if you leave the faith you never were there to begin with you might have been here but there was not a commitment there but what does this mean? When Jesus, he said, such were some of you, you used to walk this way, but now Christ has saved you and now you are created. You're his masterpiece to do what God wants you to do. There's a new nature. There's a new desire. You want to serve the Lord. You're going to follow through. So God works in us to save us, but he works through us. Some of you are doing things you never dreamed you'd be able to do before you came to know Christ, aren't you? If it weren't for God's grace, you'd never be able to do some of the things you're doing. You couldn't love like you do. You couldn't forgive like you do. You couldn't pray like you do. It's because all of him working through us. No good works can produce salvation. But salvation produces good works. Don't get it backwards. Someone has said that every life exists to meet a need or to feel agreed. God's given you the desire and ability to fulfill a unique need in this world. You're the only person who can do what you, what God wants you to do. Charles Colson, I close with this. Charles Colson, Chuck Colson, wrote a book, "Kingdoms and Conflict." In that book, he tells the story of a group of Jewish prisoners in a Nazi concentration camp. "...who suddenly found that the factory building where they were working or where they had been working had been bombed by Allied aircraft. The next morning, several hundred inmates were herded into one end of its charred remains, expecting orders to begin rebuilding it. But they were startled when the Nazi officer commanded them to shovel sand into the carts and drag it to the other end of the plant." The next day the process was repeated in reverse. They were ordered to move a pile of sand back to the other end of the compound. But well, they thought a mistake had been made. The stupid swine is what they called them. Day after day they hauled the same pile of sand from one end of the camp to the other. Then one old man began crying uncontrollably the guards hauled him away another screamed until he'd been beaten into silence then a young man who had survived 3 years in the camp darted away from the group the guards shouted for him to stop as he ran toward the electrified fence the other prisoners cried out but it was too late there was a blinding flash and a terrible sizzling noise and killed himself in the following days dozens of prisoners went mad and ran from their work only to be shot by the guards or electrocuted by the fence. The commandant remarked that there soon would be no more need to use the crematoria. Coulson went on to say that men will cling to life with a dogged resolve while working meaningfully, even if that work supports their hated captors. But purposeless labor soon snaps the mind. God has you here for a reason. He saved you for a reason. And while you're here on earth, you're fulfilling what God wants you to do living for Him, glorifying Him, being used at work, being used at school, in your neighborhood, in your church, wherever God's using you. He saved you for good works. You're His trophy. So one day, we get to heaven. Jesus is going to say, these are trophies of grace. We're his workmanship. We're his masterpieces. Now, have you ever seen a sculptor at work or a painter? I'm neither. I'm a good demolition guy. But I do know that I've seen sculptors at work, and they begin to work, and you think, "What is this going to be?" And they keep working, and they keep working, and they keep working on it, and then it becomes a masterpiece. Well, that's what God's doing for you and me. None of us in here are finished. Some some are still pretty um, pretty. You know, they've just been saved. They're they're in the rough, I guess you would say. But God begins to chip away and chip away and chip away. And we're going to see this Sunday when we talk about trials and temptation. And God begins to make us a masterpiece. I think the statement goes like this. Please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. He's still working on me. I know I'm not what I'm going to be but thank God I'm not what I was and how God has brought us so far along. You've gone from being a mess to a masterpiece. Let's pray. Lord, we don't know what you wanted with us, but thank you. We don't know why you wanted us, but thank you for saving us. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for salvaging us. Thank you for giving us life. We pray that our lives would show other people that life that comes from trusting in Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to open people's eyes. The ones that are in darkness, the ones who are lost, May they come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing us out of what we were and putting your spirit in us and giving us life. Help us to serve you and to be the people, the masterpieces that you're making us into. Lord, I thank you for these folks tonight. Pray you'll give them safety as they travel home. And and thank you that we have a warm place to go. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Southcrest Wednesday Night Series featuring Senior Pastor David Wilson. Remember, you can also live stream our Sunday and Wednesday services. Go to southcrestlive.tv for more details or to southcrest.org to learn more about South Crest Baptist Church. And thanks for listening.